Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Today's guest is Ruben Abergel. He is a friend of mine, and he started a business that helps people more authentically connect with those people who are around them, uh, who they want to connect with, but feel social anxiety over connecting with. And this is mostly people who are unknown to them uh, on the street. And I'm glad and very proud to publish this episode because I learned a lot from Ruben. Um, you know, we, we walk through the street in the city and there are all these people around us. And yet in cities, people are suffering from a lack of connection with those around us. And so when we take down these barriers around us that say, oh, no, I can't talk to that person because that's not accepted societally. It's like one of the stupidest barriers in the possible because people just want to connect like some people don't. And you're going to run into those people the more you um, uh, talk to them. Uh, but it's fine, too. Like it just happens and you, it's uncomfortable for a couple of minutes and then you get right into it. And, and then that like otherwise you're never going to figure out how to you know, connect with those around you. Like and, and if you're feeling really lonely, it's kind of on you to figure out how to not feel lonely anymore, not be lonely um, and there's connection all around us. It's really just a matter of opening up to the connection that already exists and the possibility of connection that already exists. And there's so many barriers that we create towards doing that. So I really hope that this interview gives you some insight into how to connect with those around you and connect with those who you want to connect with. Um, and please find us on iTunes by searching for Crazy Wisdom, hitting the subscribe button. Uh, if you really like this episode or any of the other episodes I'm publishing, please go ahead and leave us a review. Um, also, I, I wanted to let you know that I'll be um, doing breathwork sessions throughout the day, Monday through Friday, uh, four breathwork sessions a day, 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 6 p.m. And if you want to join one of these breathwork sessions on Zoom, super easy. I just send you a link, click on the link, 10 minutes, uh, it is donation based and I don't even need a donation myself. I just, if you take these breathwork sessions, I just want to, I want you to think about how you can contribute to the lives of those around you. Uh, I of course, uh, am doing a lot of work for free, so I would appreciate any donations that you have to give me. Uh, but, um, uh, I just want you to think about all the stuff you receive throughout the day and how you can turn that around and become a source of giving for others because, not only is it feel really, really good to give to others, um, but it's a way, if you don't do that, the universe will make your life stale and ugly and lacking in life. It's a, there's a deeply human thing about giving and then receiving and being okay with both of those things. And a lot of us have blocks towards both giving and receiving. Uh, and that's just, you know, an invitation basically to come do the breath work. Don't worry about paying me, although I would appreciate it. Um, but just come do the breath work with me, 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., 6 p.m., all in Pacific Standard Time. Uh, if you want to find out what time that is for you, just go to Google. And if you do want to do these breath work sessions, send me a message on Twitter with your email. My DMs are open at Stuart Alsop III. I'd love to have you come join the breath work sessions. So have a great day. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Uh, my guest here is Ruben Abergel. He is the founder of a community called Social Animal, which is about understanding the inner barriers that all of us have that prevent us from interacting freely with others. I've actually um, done a session with Ruben where we went 
uh, in San Francisco, and he taught me how to basically relate and interact with uh, a bunch of different people who I didn't know. Um, and so I'm really excited to have have him on here. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Stuart. Yeah. Uh, first time on a podcast, so that's great. Cool. And when did you start this, The Social Animal? Uh, so it kind of started uh, very randomly about uh, maybe two, something about two years ago. Um, so one night I was uh, playing video games with some friends and we were just, uh, you know, sharing stories about our dating lives. And, you know, at the time, like my, a lot of my life philosophy around meeting people has to do with basically meeting the people that are around me. Uh, you know, I've always felt like if you live in a big cities, uh, there's people all around you all the time. So, you know, why can't you just talk to them when you're in the bus or when you're crossing the street like why do you have to to go to a happy hour or to go to some like activity or whatever like there's people everywhere uh but at the time a lot of my friends thought that uh, i would get away with it because i had a french accent um and so one night we we were playing video games and so we start sharing stories and then the my, my my two friends they had a roommate and so we asked him like oh like what's going on with you and he proceeded to share his story about how like he hadn't uh, had sex in like over a year and a half and his dating life was at, at zero and he was like not really, uh, you know, he was just focusing on work. And so I was like, uh, you know, I, I basically told him, look, like if, you know, if, if on the weekend you, you want to hang out, like we, we walk around, we'll talk to some people, uh, you know, maybe you'll meet someone, you know, like what do you have to lose? Like just just come hang out with me. And initially he said no, and he moved out of my friend's house. So uh, I didn't see him for like a few months. And then out of the blue, he reached out to me on Facebook, like, hey, like, uh, it's about time. Uh, I'm ready. Let's do it. So I was like, okay, so we met. So this was, yeah, like about two years ago. And we walked around. We talked to a lot of people at first together. And then, you know, he felt confident enough to like go and approach a few women on his own. Uh, that day, he ended up actually meeting this girl. Uh, for the little story, he uh, ended up dating her for like about a year. Uh, and basically, right after meeting her and like, you know, getting her phone number and whatever. So that the same day, I went to my friends and I was like, guys, like, you know, you, might, you don't understand what happened today with this guy. And, um, and so from this moment, like a lot of my friends, a lot of his friends wanted to do it. And so uh, that's basically how, how it started. Um, Initially, like maybe the first 15, 20 people I did this with, um, they were all guys uh, wanting to be able to approach like, you know, women they found attractive in the street. But eventually I realized that 95% of what I had to say had nothing to do with the seduction part, but with the talking to a stranger part. Uh, the woman was just like the tip of the iceberg. And so then I started to do it with uh, all sorts of different people for different reasons. Mm. And that's super interesting. And I've done it with you before, where I right at that as that was happening, probably a couple months after that, we went out and did it. Uh, and we went to this kind of park area in San Francisco where there's a whole bunch of new people, or yeah. there's a whole bunch of people milling about, getting ice cream, all this different stuff. And for me, the hardest part was that it brings up a huge sensation of fear. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. I think that's probably the emotion that you're probably dealing with most. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that, I think that at the core, I think that people don't really, they don't relate. Like if you felt that everyone, like if you, when you looked at people, you had the same feeling, uh, then, you know, when you look at like a childhood friend, you know, you, you know, you just, 
be like, hey, what's up? Like, like, you know, like, but I think that because people don't relate, there is like a gap. And so then you're afraid of jumping. Like, it's like, you know, you, you feel like, oh, maybe they maybe they are different. Like maybe, you know, um, or maybe they'll reject you. Or maybe they'll reject you or maybe they'll judge you or maybe they'll. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, I guess maybe there is a, there, maybe it goes hand in hand. You have like a lack of, 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 of relatability and you have maybe a, um, your, your, your frame, like, you know, if you're not, uh, how do you say, if you're not well rooted, then, you know, a little yeah. will like if shake you're not you. Grounded. If you're not grounded, yeah, a little mm-hmm. blow will, yeah. will shake you. And that happens a lot. Have you, and so you basically, can you explain more about what you do when you uh, take somebody to the park? What do you, and I know you don't have a process or a technique or you don't rely on any tools or techniques. You just kind of like, you, it's spontaneous, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what can you walk our listeners through of a, a session that you would do with somebody? So, yeah. So when I do a in-person sessions, um, the way it works is, so when it's the first time, when it's the first session, uh, it's usually, uh, it lasts four hours. Uh, the first hour we just talk, um, ask some questions about the person. And mostly I share a lot of like thoughts um, and like, yeah, just observations on, on people and, uh, and on, uh, on interacting. Uh, and then I like usually to start the session with me and the person going to talk to someone uh, like on a bench or something. And I initiate the, the interaction. So the first time I, I initiate meaning I, I just say the first thing. Like it's not a, like, you know, I, you don't have a canned response. Or like sometimes it's just like, hey. Like we're gonna sit here, like okay, like it's, like it's just I just start, yeah. um, and then you know we have this like three-way interaction, and then what I usually like to do is the second interaction, uh, I ask the person to just initiate to say the first thing, and then um, and then from there like usually what I what happens is until the the person that is with me is like okay I want to go talk to someone on my own until they feel comfortable to do that we'll just keep talking to people the two of us. Uh, until they're like warmed up, I guess. Hmm. That's super interesting. For me, when we did it, the biggest block, well, there's a lot of blocks that came up. One of one of the things that you said, and now I'm now remembering in that session, was that you said there's a period of time of about 15 to 30 seconds where it's highly uncomfortable for both parties. Uh, and as long as you can remain just kind of like com- uh, allowing for kind of not showing that you're discomfort or not making some weird thing happen. As long as you can do that, they'll become comfortable. Mm. The other person will be comfortable. And that, that is true. I've, I've now found that to be true in other, other times in my life. Um, so that's really interesting for me. Forget the original question that I had, but what, can you talk more about that initial like feeling of discomfort or feeling of awkwardness? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I think that we can we can all observe in our lives that like you know emotions are kind of like contagious, right? So for example, uh, I live near Dolores Park, and around seven a.m. there is like a cleaning team, and there's this one woman who cleans the park. Every time you cross path with her, like she's just so happy, and you know she's like, "Hey, love, you know, God bless you," you know, like I don't know, she's just like so smiley and like you know she's just like so happy that the like basically her current the the current of like vibe she sends you is so strong that. Even on days where I'm like sad or I'm like in my head or I'm like, you know, thinking about like work or whatever, like, you know, it just like, and like boom, like you smile and it's automatic, right? Yeah. Um, the same way, like if someone comes and like they're really stressed out, like you're also going to like feel it. So I think that I would say about 80% of the people you meet like completely randomly, like at a street corner, on a bench or whatever, like they're not used to it. So the first reaction is kind of like, okay, what's going on? 
and then I think that they, they I see it as like a bridge of awkwardness. So like they, they, they they're of like they might be overwhelmed or they might not be they're surprised at the, at the very least. And so then it's like if you remain calm, like if you remain just chill, then eventually they'll they'll join you. Like they'll they'll you know they'll realize what's going on and they'll and they'll calm down and they'll join you. Uh, and and the trap is like if you feed off their anxiety instead of like giving them your chillness, I guess then it's a vicious cycle and then it's just going to make the <laughs> thing really awkward. awkward and then it's, yeah. it's weird, yeah. yeah. Have you ever felt, when you've been leading these sessions, have you ever felt awkward? Uh, I mean, yeah, I feel awkward all the time, but <laughs> some of the things that I've, I've felt, so I, also I think that it's a lot, a lot of it is about embracing the awkwardness. Like, uh, you know, an example I give is uh, when I was young, like I, I never went skiing or like maybe once when I was four years old. And when I was in college, uh, I went to ski with some friends, but obviously, like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And the first day, my friends, they brought me to this thing and, like, whatever. And so, basically, for, like, the whole morning, like, four hours, I was falling every 30 seconds. Like, I, I will do, like, you know, one thing, I will fall, another thing. You know, like, you, you, you do, like, those... Um, you know, oh, those, yeah, like, yeah, going down the hill, side know, to side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, side to side, yeah. So, yeah. every time I would reach one side, boom, I would fall. Mm. Uh, and at some point, I was just so tired, you know, I was so tired, I had fell like hundreds of times. And I was just like, fuck it, I'm just gonna chill. And then eventually I was like, okay, like, what's gonna happen? Like, no one's gonna come pick me up. There's no helicopter. Like, uh, you know, just gotta get everyone's just tired of waiting for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I have, like, it's not comfortable. Like, I'm not more confident in my abilities to go down, but I have to accept it and I have to go regardless, right? Um, and, and I think it's the same, like sometimes something feels, you, you have this sense of awkwardness, but uh, you just sort of like put it in a, in a corner of your mind and then you, 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 go, uh, you go regardless. Um, but, but one thing I have observed also is that at the, at the beginning, like a few years ago when I, used to, when I started like talking to random people, I always felt like that I was responsible for the whole interaction, mm-hmm. but eventually... Uh, I realized that people are much more basically socially anxious than they realize because a lot of times, you know, I go up to someone and they're like freaking out and I'm like, you know, I know it's not me because I have so many interactions, right? Like I have so many interactions that like 99% they go very well. So when I have one that's like where the person is like freaking out, you know, whereas before I would, I would take it personally, like, no, I know like it's okay. Like some people just are not used to it or. That brings up a lot of interesting points. One of which is that a lot of people aren't aware of their own emotional reactions. So I'm really aware of my own emotional reaction. So if I'm having an emotional reaction, I'll be very hyper vigilant about where it's coming from. And I've noticed a lot of other people don't make that connection between the emotions that they're experiencing and their outward behavior, mm. uh, which is really interesting. And then the other one is the spontaneity, not, not, so I, it's the same thing that's happened with this podcast is I've, I've felt responsible for continuing the conversation and that's, that is my role. Um, and so guiding the conversation and, and I can play that role, but I've also started to get into the point of like, when there's a silence, just allowing the silence to be Mm. until something happens basically. Uh, so if we were to have an awkward silence, like, um, it would get, it would get awkward Usually I'll fill it very quickly because uh, I don't want a lot of time in between things. I don't want to go back and edit this and stuff like that. Yeah. But they're, they're, but those can be really beautiful because you can have this awkward silence where something can emerge and you don't know what's going to happen. And also, I mean, so right now you're on a podcast. So, you know, obviously, like, if there's a really long sentence, people are going to be like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Did my computer stop working? But, or? you know, I, I find that um, 
you know, I, I felt that a threshold with your friends or the people you hang out with is the, is the time where you realize like you're comfortable in silence, mm. right? Like when you meet people, like you meet like, a, you know, you go on a date or something, like, you know, eventually you, you, there's a threshold where like, you know, when there's a sense, you're very comfortable. But usually very early on, when someone, when the people meet, like they're very afraid of silences uh, and they try to fill it. And I think, um, and I think it's a mistake. I, I think when there's a silence, you should really, uh, you should take it as an opportunity to show the other person that that you're fine in it. And if and if they because people sense those things, like you know, when you talk to someone, like it's more about who you are than what you say. Like people, you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. um, and so, if there's a, 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 a like a silence and and the person can se- can see that you're just like looking around and you're not like trying Anxious. to climb out of it. Yeah. Then they'll also relax, and and then it, and then once everyone is relaxed, then it's it's good. People feel at ease, and they don't feel pressure, and that's when it's really enjoyable. Interesting. You mentioned something about the skiing and about about how you've kind of adapted yourself, habituated yourself to talking to strangers. So for you, it probably do you when you talk to strangers, do you ever experience fear anymore, or is it like a little yeah. tiny bit of fear? Yeah, that you yeah. Then there's definitely fear, situations. Yeah. There's definitely like situations that are, you know, like there is a lot of different situations. Like sometimes, you know, the, the situation is handed to me, like, uh, I don't know, on the way here, I took an Uber pool, there were someone next to me, uh, you know, made random conversation. But uh, yeah, you know, like sometimes there is situation where there's like a, a big group, or I don't know, like I also have high and lows. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sometimes I don't, I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've basically built a model where you can just do it on demand. And the point I'm trying to make is that essentially there's, uh, in neuroscience, the, uh, it, it, the way that we learn anything new, uh, dopamine motivates us in order to uh, uh, learn something. But once we've learned that it comes with a certain reward, uh, we then dopamine, the dopamine system then codes for uh, expectancy on l- mm-hmm. learning that reward uh, so that we expect a certain reward to come. And if that reward doesn't come, or if it comes in a different way than it is expected, then uh, are, are we kind of freak out. And if it comes with a higher reward, then we're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Mm. Um, uh, and that motivates us to learn something. And then the other part of it is that we, it's called a um, engram. Uh, so it's particularly valuable for learning how to do massage or any other type of thing where I'll, I'll give an example. I went fly fishing this last week, and to fly, fly fishing, yeah, to fly fish. Uh, so it's a way of fishing, but you've okay. got a little a rod, a long rod that you just wave back and forth, uh, and there's a tiny little fly. And so there's a certain way you do it, and most people bend the wrist when they do it. So they go go back and and but the real key is actually to drop the elbow, keep mm. the wrist solid, which isn't a normal thing because you know you throw a frisbee, you do the wrist, you you. So that's a, a thing you have to teach your your body basically. Mm. So at first it's very awkward to do that. But then do it for a few days and you build an engram of, okay, this is fly fishing. This mm. is fly fishing. This is the thing. This is the model that I do for fly fishing. And then it becomes habitual. Then you don't have to think about it. That works for everything uh, with our bodies. And it also works for social skills. Um, and so it's really interesting, this idea of a model that we create for talking to strangers. Because for me, I'm still at a stage where it's like, I can do it with checkout people. Anybody who I'm having an interaction with already, I can do it with. I can go to dance events and I can talk to people, but still, it's very edgy for me to talk to strangers uh, just at the park yeah, or something like that. Yeah, context. Yeah. But, but, but also, I want to say that, uh, I guess I, I want to say two things uh, that, that came to mind. The first is, when you talk about reward, I think that there is, uh, you know, 
what do you think the reward is? So a lot of people, when they when I first work with them, they think that the reason they're gonna, they have to do this is because they want to date or because they want to meet more people or because this person looks interesting. Um, the, one of the main sort of uh, pivotal moments in my personal growth regarding this is when I realized that the point wasn't the outcome, but was if I want to express myself, then I should do it, right? So some people, they look at someone and they want to interact and then, you know, they, they look again because basically their mind is looking for an excuse. So then they're going to say, oh yeah, but look, he looks like this, you know, he's probably not that interesting. So now they're going to make up excuses. But that's, that's beyond the point. Like if you want to say something, then you should be able to do it. Like that's it. Like the rest is, the rest is just extra, you know, it's, it's just extra. So, um, so at some point for me, the only thing, the only metric that I measured was did I express myself or did I censor myself? Mm -hmm. And so what happened after was completely irrelevant because what I wanted to measure was, am I able to live true to myself? Um, and so, you know, then did I get along? Did I not get along? Am I going to see this person again or not? Like that, that, that became completely secondary. Mm. Uh, That's the second thing. What's the second thing? And the second thing? thing is, I think it's important also to reframe like words because you, you say talking to stranger like a lot. And I think that words, you know, we, we live in our own perception of reality. And so words, they kind of like, they're... Focus. They, uh, words, uh, they, they translate the perceptions we have. And so when we say stranger, I think that stranger is a word that uh, emphasizes differences and like foreignness. Mm. Uh, and so I, 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 I rather say like random people mm. um, because when you see a stranger, it seems like everything is different. And so I think you, it, it makes people forget that, you know, those people are also living their day and, you know, maybe they're having a nice day, maybe they're having a bad day. Mm. Like, you know, you, you, you um, I just feel that the word stranger removes surfaces for relatability. Yeah. And that's what you're getting at is which essentially you can any you can find something in common with anybody you walk and find on the street there's always something in common i mean at the very basic fact that we're all human beings and they all we have dna that, that that but there's a really interesting thing that also into this as well i've learned from this book called behave by robert sapolsky uh is that each of us each individual has variability in our gene expression uh, that is greater than the difference so the difference between your brain and my brain is how, there's a larger difference between my brain and your brain than there is between the entire human species and the primates. Um, so within human humans, we have like crazy difference in the way that our minds operate. Hmm. Um, and and that's not to mean that we are different because in the in the in the ultimate like we're very very similar. In, yeah. In our, in our, we're in different our, on the margin. Yeah, but 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 that within that variability, there is a huge difference, hmm. uh, which is super interesting. And then we, we could we go further into that or we could talk about what it feels like in our bodies to actually censor ourselves. How do we know when we're censoring ourselves or when we're when we're when we're open? I think that's very personal. I think mm -hmm. that, like, you know, I always say like you look like, you know, this is between you and yourself. Like I'm not <laughs> in your mind. Like yeah. you, you know, yeah. you know? Uh, usually the only uh, tip I give is that if you're in a situation where you feel like you want to talk to someone, but then you're starting to make arguments. Like if you're starting to make arguments in your mind, that means you should probably do it because if you were, mm -hmm. if your mind was really elsewhere, you would not have considered it in the first place, you know? So. Interesting. So that's one way people can understand is if you start to get into this internal dialogue of like, oh, sh oh that person, I shouldn't talk to that person because I've got, you know, because they're too cool for me or, or I'm too good for them. Well, or, yeah. 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 
Yeah, I think that if in the, I mean, yeah, I think that if you're into that that that, that argument, then then it probably means you know you're attracted to the to the thing, so you should you should go for it. Mm, interesting, or that 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 is a step into the unknown, basically, or something like that. What do you mean? So. I, the way it works for me is I have a lot of uncertainty. I have traditionally been afraid of uncertainty, so mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't go into situations where I don't know the outcome. This seems to be yeah. a major fear that I have to talking to strangers because I don't know where it's going. I don't, know, I don't know who they are. I don't know how I'll react to them. So there's all these unknowns, and so I don't do it. And so that voice in my head uh, that says, oh, don't do that, is like a voice protecting me from the uncertainty. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 because it's like, yeah, no, you have to focus on it. And sometimes you do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have been uh, I have been in situations where I was, you know, I'm like in a cafe or something and I'm working and, you know, there's people I want to talk to and then I'm thinking, okay, like I'm going to, I really need to get this done. So <laughs> I'm going to work until until this time and then, you know, so, so you have to, be, because like what, because I, 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 you know, especially if you start like, if you start getting into it and, and you start like interacting with a lot of people, like it's, it never ends. There's people all over, everywhere. <laughs> well, let's talk about that because I know you've said that to me a couple of times is that you, you'll, you'll start going down this path where you'll start talking to a stranger and then that will lead all to all these different things. Yeah. Right? What, what happens? Like, or what is a, recently, what is the most interesting kind of pathway, unexpected pathway that you went down? I don't know about unexpected, but like, uh, I, don't know about, I don't know about like crazy things, but you know, like there's a lot of like nice moments where, I don't know if, uh, Maybe three weeks ago, or I was uh, having a, a drink with a friend, and then like we started like talking to the people next to us, and so they joined us, and we had more friends coming, and then we all went out together. I don't know, like really random, um, really random sort of like f- flowing of people and meeting, and then the friends come, you know, and, and it's like, and I, I, at first it was just supposed to be me and him, and in the end we were like, you know, six or seven, uh, and. That's so interesting because I, I used to get that all the time when I would go to a new country and I would enter a study abroad program and that like that study abroad for, program where there's a whole bunch of foreigners all together in one country where they don't speak the language, they bond easily. And so like that mm. type of thing happens all the time on a study abroad and I loved that, uh, but that was like, I, I found a hack where I could just kind of find that no matter yeah. what. And what you're talking about is structuring your life or opening your life in order to have that happen at any time. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like there's people everywhere, uh, and you know there are people like you and me, right? Like the like most of the people are most people are nice, most people so why not? Like you know sometimes you make and and and, <clears throat> and you know sometimes you keep in touch, sometimes you don't, sometimes it's just ephemeral. Um, but I think that this is also one thing that I, I realized early on is that some people so because they judge things by the outcome. They, they want, uh, you know, they, they, they want like, you know, oh, how many good friends you made or how many like, you know, um, but to, for me, like, you know, if I walk into an Uber, like an Uber pool and there's someone and I talk, even if it was five minutes and then I, you know, I have a smile on my face and for the next two hours, I just feel a bit more uplifted. Like, like that's, I win, like, you know, I'll just be in a better mood. Maybe because of that, I'll do something else la- later down the path, you know, so it's nice like there's no that's really interesting because that goes back to this dopamine thing which is that we are hardwired in order to seek safety in other people uh so we're but also other people are the most traumatic thing that happens so if somebody has trauma it's very likely like 99.9 percent of the time that that trauma came from another person Mm. Uh, so both we gain our sense of happiness 
a lot of happiness. There is a type of happiness that is not conditioned by social relationships, but we are hardwired to find happiness, find support, find connection in, in other people. But at the same time, for people with trauma, that the trauma came from other people as well. Mm. Um, which gets into a question I also wanted to ask, which was, you know, you said most people are nice and most people are nice, but there's about 1% of the population that is not nice, that is pathological, that is, that is you don't want to, like, you, you, you do not want to interact with them at all. Um, have you ever gotten into a talk with a stranger where you're just like, you didn't feel good and you wanted to end it as soon as possible? Uh... So I don't have any memory of someone like inspiring like so much disgust mm-hmm. in me that was like, okay, I cannot talk to this person. And, 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 uh, and I actually kind of like to talk to people who are like, out there, you know, kind of like have, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, I, I, I like to talk with people who have all sorts of opinions uh, and I like to. So what uh, I'm talking about is, is essentially what would be considered a violent psychopath, somebody who, who, who doesn't have empathy uh, and mm. who, who is, who is. Uh, essentially not uh, in an institution where I was like fearing for my life not fearing for your life but but I imagine that you probably have some intuitive capability to not actually start a conversation with, mm. with somebody like this and they're, not, they're very rare so it's not it's not like you don't meet these people all the time so I, I would say this um, I start conversation with people who for some reason inspire me uh, so you know sometimes and you know I, I judge you know I'm a human I judge people all the time um, so there's definitely people that inspire me less than others. Uh, but I would say that once I'm engaged with someone, you know, unless like I feel like, uh, I, I'll usually try to see what, what, what's behind it. And I'll try to, I'm also very, uh, I'm, I don't usually give a lot of resistance. So if someone has like a, a very strong opinion that I disagree with, yeah. like I'm not gonna start arguing. Like I'll just try to, to establish a, a bond first and you know, if we stay in touch and whatever, you know, then, then it will be a moment to argue. But when you meet someone, you know, for like 20 minutes, like, what, like you know, what's, nothing's going to happen. So I'd rather have, share a nice moment, you know, human to human than like start like an argument. Um, but I have been in situations where I start, I want to talk to someone and the person is like really cold or like, you know, they, they, mm. like, you know, they're just like, don't talk to me or like, you know, they're really cold. And at first, you know, as I said in the beginning, you, you may take this for yourself, but as you talk to more and more people and you have volume and you have, like, you know, uh, perspective, then you realize, like, you know, if someone is cold to you, it's, it's on them, like, it's not, it's not on you. And it doesn't affect you. And it's really hard because I've, I've the biggest things for me are, are that sense of coldness when I'm talking to somebody, but it doesn't happen a lot. Uh, and then getting rejection when I ask somebody for something. Those are the two biggest things that kind mm. of I still take personally. Um, but the thing that has helped me the most is the similar thing that you're doing, which is exposure therapy. You just expose yourself over and over and over again. And then you feel it, but you feel it for like five seconds. And then you're yeah. like, yeah, it's just kind of normal. Yeah. And I also feel that like, like there is this notion of like exposure, but I feel that also once you have volume, like once you have perspective, you realize that, you know, on a bad day where you don't feel great, you're going to talk to someone. And, you know, if there is chemistry, like the interaction is going to be effortless mm. and on a good day you can do everything possible and you're going to talk to someone and like it's going to feel like you're dragging like a weight in the mud mm. and so you realize like that it's a lot of it is about finding fit you know like it's just you know something fits together and some other things don't you know mm. and, and maybe in the future you can enlarge number of things you can fit with but uh, mm. but at least like you know at a medium step you can you can sort of accept you know okay you know that's 
there's a match here and there's no match here and mm-hmm. that's just what it is and like it's not it's not about you really that's so two things from that there's you said effortless and i would love to understand how to become more effortless in social interactions and then there's resonance uh, i don't really have a question about resonance but it's been showing up in a lot in my life about how i make decisions particularly business partners or or even podcasts or people uh if the, the huge reason I do this podcast is to uh, get to know people who I don't already know and, and see whether we see whether it's smooth, our interactions are smooth, see whether it's, there's a resonance and maybe whether we do business and all this different stuff. So that's been really showing up. Um, what do you want to talk about? Effortlessness or resonance? We can start with effortlessness. I, I just think that effortlessness is uh, it's just like w- when you're present, you know, uh, it's kind of like... Um, if there is a type of music you really like to dance on and you and you know you know and you dance with someone, and you know you're in the rhythm mm-hmm. and like you know it feels mm. it feels effortless. Uh, and by opposition, it's like if you're really rigid, you know if you you know like it's like no one likes to dance with someone who's like really rigid because it's like jerky, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. Um, so when I say effortless, it's just like yeah, like it just flows, like you know you're in the rhythm and you know it's like a game of ping pong and everything. Everything just unfolds nicely, you know, and the other person, you know, yeah, you're in rhythm with the other person, basically. This is really interesting because this I've been reading about fascia and connective tissue. Do you know what fascia is? No. Uh, fascia is a part of connective tissue. Um, it's uh, what connects everything to everything else. So it wraps all the muscle cells, uh, but then it also connects, it wraps the entire muscle together and then it connects the muscle to the skin, connects the muscle to the bone, connects the um, organs to the, the muscle, the skin and the bones. Um, and it's everywhere in our body. It's like huge part of our body. Uh, we were ignored this part for a long time because it's the stuff you cut through to get to the muscle and the bone and the, everything mm-hmm. else. Um, and so, but it's hugely important, particularly for elasticity. So most of our human movements are elastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see people running all the time in Golden Gate Park and, and uh, they're just like pounding their feet against the floor. And you can tell that their elasticity of their, of their connective tissue is not working the way it should be. Mm-hmm. The most important thing for elasticity, uh, getting that elasticity component of, of exercise, is timing and rhythm. Uh, so that's why dancing is so important for it, basically, because you because it teaches you how to move effortlessly. So you can use the least amount of effort uh, exactly. in order to do it. And then they did a study on, on women in Africa who carried large jugs on their on their head, um, and uh, so they carried like fifty pounds on their head, totally just like uh, with their spine like totally stacked, and they're effortlessly moving. Um, uh, but if you ask them to walk at a pace that's not comfortable, either too fast or too slow, they lose that elasticity. Mm. Uh, so it's really interesting that, that interesting. it all has to do with how comfortable you are. Uh, so if you can find that mm. comfortable rhythm, uh, you can, you can, it, it effortless, yeah. it becomes effortless. And, and also like the more grounded you are, the more you can sort of like bring people, um, or you can sort of overflow people, you know, kind of like that woman from the park, like... You know, it's kind of like you have like a huge wave and a small wave. Like the, the small wave is gonna is gonna win, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, if you're really grounded, you can sort of like take people with you, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll and they'll they'll sort of like it's 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 not something you do consciously. Like you just sort of mm-hmm. like people will just join your your vibe, you know. Interesting. They'll just match your frequency, be, like you know, if you yeah. Interesting. Um, and sometimes you have this interaction where like you know you, you go calmly talk to someone. And you know, they try to like give you shit, and then you know once once they realize like they're That's not gonna crazy. be able to yeah. to move you, yeah. then they then they then they chill and they and they and they start laughing with you and they're like okay cool <laughs> like you know like it's kind of like they give you like sort of like a test you know it's like oh like are you are you really uh... <laughs> yeah how long does that take? 
I don't know, it depends, depends on the people. Yeah. Uh, Have you ever had it where it happens for a really long time, where they're really trying to batter you? No, uh, I don't. Like a minute? I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, you know, also, you know, if someone doesn't want to talk to me, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to force it. Uh, usually, you know, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to dissolve, I'll try to, so, uh, what do you say? Um, I don't know. I, I'll try to, to diffuse any situation with humor mm. and try to appeal to like the, the kid in them and just like make fun, like, you know, present the situation as ridiculous and like make fun of the situation. But, you know, if I see someone is like mm. not into it, then, you know, have other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in our conversations, I've, I've noticed that you have a lot of philosophical background in terms of people you've learned things from. I know we had a conversation about Jung, Carl Jung and stuff like that. Who are your biggest kind of philosophical um, influences for this? Mm. Uh, I don't know, like, uh, you know, some things. There is a... I, I can tell you like philosophical influences that I've had, um, but then like how do they tie into this? Mm. It, it, I'm not sure, you know, because so things, you. You, you know what I mean? It's like things become very precise and like uh, it's not really clear like the mm. cause to causation, you know. But um, when I was in college, I, I had a huge uh, um, period uh, that started with uh, Taoism uh, and then like later Buddhism. Uh, I think what I liked about but that was just sort of like looking at the big picture uh, and, and, you know, understanding that things arise from environments. Uh, you know, it, it sort of gives you a sort of like, um, it gives you a lens, like a sort of like a big picture type of lens through which you can look at things and you can understand that things arise from condition and that, you know, uh, everything that happens is, is natural, right? Like, you know, some, some, sometimes people say, yeah, but this is not natural. It's like... No, we're in nature, so everything that happens is natural. Like even, even you know, uh, how do you call? Even streets, like everything is natural. Like everything is is there. So 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 you know, there's no point in saying like, oh, this is bad or this is good. Like you have to understand, you know, where it came from and what why it is the way it is. Like, but what is it? You you have to accept it because if you say this is not natural, that means you don't accept reality, and so already like you reasoning is going to be wrong mm -hmm. um, and this leads to delusion essentially that, that is delusion when 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 you realize that reality is uncomfortable or difficult or some aspect of reality is not the way you want it to be then you create a delusion where in your mind uh, that no longer works that way but it still works that way right yeah yeah so you can yeah so you basically start building resent resentment against reality yep. and accusing people and mm -hmm. so that creates a gap between you and reality so it's not it's not really good but I would say that lately, I, I would give you some influence, and, and actually I can tie to some to some a very specific example. Um, recently, I uh, I mean not that recently anymore, but like so I have some interest. I I, I read all types of like philosophical currents and and, and whatnot. But uh, recently, uh, I uh, I got interest. I got very interested in like some of the uh, Talmudic uh, studies, and uh, something that I found a thought that I found uh, very interesting was um, around basically the relationship you have with reality. And so this, uh, so we're not gonna talk about, uh, you know, what is God, like does God exist? I'm just gonna talk about an idea, okay? So this rabbi, he was saying that if you believe in God, you believe that um, the reality that is in front of you is adapted to you. Uh, and basically that 
um, life, so they, they see life as a constant inv invitation uh, to evolve, right? So let's say you take flour and you take water. Once you mix it and you really, uh, how do you say? Knead. You knead the dough well. Yeah. Uh, you, so actually you're supposed to knead the dough until, you're supposed to knead the dough in a way that once the, the bread cooks, if you if you if you rip a piece like the you know the um, the bread sort of like is torn apart like it, it's not supposed to like you know what I mean it's supposed to be really well um, so the point is that once you have bread and water you mix them and then then you make bread which is like an evolution from the both states and so they sort of present this as like you know you have a reality in front of you and then you know you have a choice like are you gonna dive in and you know evolve or are you going to stay on the sideline and just stagnate and once uh, I have this actually very uh, precise memory so I entered the uber pool and so there was someone next to me and there's the driver and then there's this woman who enters in the front and I always I used to, I mean I kind of whatever no I'm just sad about it but I used to get very frustrated with people who enter a car and they will just say hello to the driver and that's it like they don't they don't say hi like you know and I and and so when this woman, so the woman came, she said hello to the driver, and I thought like, you know, I, whatever. I had some like negative judgment, you know. And then I thought, well, actually no, like maybe maybe this is a, a challenge. Like maybe you know I can enlarge my compassion for this person. Like maybe she's having a bad day too. Maybe you know maybe no one ever talked to. Maybe, maybe everyone has been rude to her her whole life. Like who knows? Mm -hmm. So then I just looked at my phone. I saw her name, you know, on the app. I don't remember her name, but I was like, hey, like so, how, how, where are you going? Or I was like, how how was your day? And then we started talking and then everyone started talking in the car and it was like a, actually a nice little like, you know, moment of connection between us. And, uh, and yeah, you know, so I think, I think uh, it, it goes back with like, you know, did I express myself? Did I some sort? It's like there's situations in front of you. Sometimes this is a very micro situation. You know, sometimes there's more micro situation like at work where like bigger things are at play. Term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, you know, am I gonna, once this moment, once this, thing is over will I get you know will I will I collect the fruit of this moment or, or not mm -hmm. uh, and so th yeah this is something I can I can think about and that's beautiful and I've, I've come across that from other different avenues but uh, uh, it's there is a, a, a danger but one of the best dangers possible to following that with your whole life because as soon as you start to adopt that that framework um, then life throws larger and larger challenges. There's no habituation to the challenge. Like as soon as you habituated yourself to this kind of like opening up to this present moment, there's gonna be a new way that it that it tests you that is beyond your current capabilities. Yeah. So it's like a constant It never stops. Yeah, yeah, it never stops. Yeah. Well it stops when we're dead, but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean yeah, like everyone whatever their position in life, their wealth, whatever, everyone seems to be it's almost like a paradox. It's yeah. like everyone's different, everyone's a different place, but and I mean, there's no way to prove it, but it almost kind of feels like everyone is confronted to the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's very, mm -hmm. it, it, it almost, it, it almost seems like it balance, somehow it balances out. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's really cool. So what is your plan for Social Animal? Where are you going to take it from here? So, you know, I, it's so, so I started about two years ago and um, it's been all under the radar. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, it was all word of mouth. Uh, since I started, I've worked with maybe like 70 people. Um, in September, I started um, 
a sort of remote program because uh, I, I, you know, I got introduced to some people who were like in Canada or in New York. Um, and so I was like, okay. And actually my plan was, I want to film like a, a video course to sort of like, you know, something to have something that's more scalable than just me walking around with you on the weekend. Um, and so right now, um, like currently I'm basically trying to, I'm basically breaking out of the word of mouth. Uh, you know, I'm writing some articles. I'm going to make some, uh, I'm also going to sort of podcast, uh, with like some psychologists and like, you know, just cool people I want to talk to. By the time we publish this, it'll pro- you'll you'll probably have started that. What what it, what is the name, or where can people find that? Uh, the name uh, I don't know. For now, it's probably going to be Social, Social Animal, yeah. uh, and you know, people will be able, people will be able to find it on all of the you know iTunes, whatever regular platforms. I'll also uh, usual. I'll probably do some live on the on the Facebook group. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna start. So the, the the podcast will be sort of like a semi-serious to serious discussions uh, I also want to start with who? so different uh, psychologists uh, people who have interesting experience that I you know are somehow related in the bigger scheme of things to to Very those kind right. of topics mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah I, actually this, this guy I really want to talk to uh, if anyone has a connection <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's this guy there's a documentary on there's a movie on Netflix about him. His name is Larry Davis. Oh. He's this uh, African American who befriended like two hundred members of the Ku Klux Klan, and like they gave him, uh, you know, they, they basically left the Klan. Uh, one of which I think was like the, like the head of the United States like uh, organization. Organization. Um, and what I find amazing about it is that, you know, he goes beyond, the mask that people are giving him. Mm. You know, like a lot of people, they stop there. Yeah. You know, like they, they can't relate past that. It's like, if you tell me good things about you, I will relate to you. Yeah. But if you tell me ba- if you tell me things yeah. that I don't agree with, yeah. I'm not going to relate to you. Yeah. And he, he, do, he does. So his story is quite extreme because people literally, they, you know, yeah. they like hate him or like they think he's like inferior. Mm. But I think that people do this all the time in much smaller ways. Um, and so... Actually, I sent him an email today, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. And yeah, so I, I'm starting. Uh, I'm also like filming my video course. I'm gonna start some like more light-hearted videos uh, on YouTube. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, we'll see how things how things evolve. Very cool. Uh, so, if there's one last thing that you would leave our audience with uh, about how to talk to random people on the street or how to be more inspired in their actions or how to kind of act from a place of inspiration or spontaneity, Mm -hmm. what would it be? I think that, you know, the main thing that you should focus on uh, is, is yourself. Like, you know, did you express yourself or did you censor yourself? Because if you just focus on that and if you just go for it when you want to, like over time, the, the amount of experience and trial and error that you will leave, they will, they will, you will reach a lot of conclusions. You will reach your own conclusions, you know, uh, and th- because this is basically the engine of growth, you know, it's, it's like, you know, this is what's going to give you data points to, to think and to reflect on. Uh, all of the other advices and are just tips or like they're just, they might help you a little bit, but um, the best thing you can do is, is, is just to just be committed to expressing yourself mm. when you want to and uh, and over time like the the rest 
will, will take care of itself. The next podcast we'll, we'll record will be on whether you can, what is the difference between doing this online and in person? I think that would be a really interesting mm, avenue to... You to, mean to, when I help people online in No, person? no, I'm talking about like, so, so I do this all the time on Twitter, but I don't do it in person. Uh, oh, you mean uh, reaching out to yeah, people? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. So Interesting. Think, yeah. What do you think is the online? Do you think which kind of like shield is? is yeah, the, the online is easier because it's it doesn't it doesn't feel it doesn't have this intimacy. So yeah. it doesn't have this intimacy of like rejection. Like that, that. So if somebody rejects me on Twitter, it's like I don't know that person. They're not yeah. near me. I just read it. Oh, it's linguistic as well. So it's it's it goes through my linguistic filters rather than my emotional filters. If I'm in if I'm in communication with somebody, like if you were to start insulting me right now. Uh, that would be like very emotional to me because I get the whole being of your, mm. you know, your your actions, your yeah, everything. You but on Twitter, it's only linguistic, which is mm. rude. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Thank you so much for coming on the well, show. Thank you so much, Jared. Yeah. Like that's uh, that's been that's great. Thank cool. you. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I am releasing every an episode every day this week, um, and I'm going to try to turn this into a habit as well, so I can publish all of the lots of episodes that I've been doing over the past couple months. Um, I've got a backlog and I don't know how long that backlog is. It's hard for me to estimate. I think it's like 50 episodes. I think that's how many I have still. Um, so I do have to increase my publish speed, uh, which puts a little, uh, a lot more effort into my, into my necessity of, of my workday. Uh, but I'm really excited about all the different interviews that I've got going particularly this new series that I'm doing, which goes into the rise of uh, creativity and entrepreneurship outside of Silicon Valley and the stress of starting a company outside of Silicon Valley. Um, And uh, just had three really interesting interviews today, which I'm looking forward to publishing probably in a couple weeks or so. And yeah, you can tune in. Please find us on iTunes. If if this episode or all the episodes that I'm providing for you guys is a value, please find me on iTunes and give me a review. Really would mean a lot. And as, as also, I want to invite you guys to the breathwork sessions. Uh, I, I've got about five people joining each session, session uh, and people are really finding a lot of value in it. Uh, so please find me on Twitter at Stuart Alsop. I, I, I send me a message and uh, with your email, uh, and then I send out a weekly email once a week with the schedule for the, uh, the, the following week. And most of the time, it's 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 6 p.m., and all of those times are on Pacific Standard Time, although I am planning to move to Medellin, and I will change the, the schedule uh, eventually on that, which will be three hours ahead and probably the same time. So have a great day, and hopefully uh, you'll join me for breathwork. <laughs>